Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Roger Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Roger. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. It is episode 100. Made it. 100 episodes. We are here. We're pumped up. Thanks for everybody that subscribes to us. Thanks for everybody for listening. Millions <laughs> yeah. of downloads in the books. Millions. Like just I mean, clearly laid down. Like we've had our supporters. Are you? Are we? What, we're, tr- are we we're trending. Is that what you call it? Are I don't know. Trending? Maybe we haven't gone viral uh, yet. We need to get a little more. Well, I just need to say some wild. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Can, how can yeah. I help with that? Yeah, you need to bring it a little. All right, stronger. All right my Keep bad. bringing it. Uh, we got a big show for you. Episode 100. Debo's got some things cooked up. Okay. Uh, we're gonna get to those. We got Josh Heupel, head coach of UCF. He's gonna join us. There's a Twitter beef out there. Another. NBA Twitter beef that really? I think is really fascinating between uh, CJ McCollum and Kevin Durant, so I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, I want to get to Julio Jones in just a minute, but first, I texted you the other day. I said, "Hey, are you wa- have you watched Last Chance You?" Yeah. And so you're on episode. You're on season three, right? Yeah. And I watched two more episodes last night. Oh, so you're, full so you're disclosure. a couple of episodes yeah. ahead of me. I love the show. I think it's so entertaining and yet infuriating at the same time. And if you're familiar with it, it's you know junior college programs in a college football program getting their second chances. I have an idea. You have to tell me if you're in. And if you're listening and you want to hear this, then let us know or else okay. we won't waste our time. I want to do a bonus podcast, like just separate, like after the show where we just talk about Last Chance You. And kind of like the different aspects of it. Kind of like a book club. I love except it. Except it's a Last Chance You club. I love it because there's so much going on in that <laughs> show. There like, it is. And this year is like a tra- – I mean it's oh, a – Oh, yeah. It's a train wreck. There's some good stories in it, right? right? There, there, there's some things that pull at your heartstrings, but man, there's some stuff that really gets you like, right? Like what that, what right. that? <laughs> right. right. So if you are listening and you want to hear that bonus episode, let us know. Cause if we don't hear from you, we're not doing it. True. We can just do it on our own time. Uh, all right. So NFL training camps, 22 teams reported yesterday. Uh, four more today. It's NFL season is here, right? Guys are going to camp. One guy that a lot of people had their eyes on, and, and there's four or five really big star players in the NFL who are threatening holdouts. You know, have some of them reported, some of them haven't. Aaron Donald still has not reported. I wouldn't report if I'm him either until right. I get paid. Uh, Odell Beckham does show up to camp. Le'Veon Bell does show up to camp, but he didn't get the new contract, had the franchise tag. Uh, Julio Jones was a guy, and we, sh- we saw this coming a few months ago. When he, you know, deletes his Instagram, anything on the Falcons, like it's, it's been kind of corny, but it's played out and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to minicamp. I'm not going to camp. Guess what happens? Yeah. Well, here he is. He gets to camp. <laughs> and he gets like, and the details aren't out, but, um, they have, it's been reported like he's going to get taken care of. They're going to rework it. They're going to try to get him increased salary this year. And then Dimitrov, their general manager said, we'll readdress everything then in 2019. Right. Good for Julio. Like using some of that leverage because the only leverage you have as an NFL player is saying I'm not going to play. Yeah, I, and I didn't think he had a, a a legitimate beef. I didn't either. But I guess when you're Julio Jones and you mean as much to you know Matt Ryan and that offense as he does, like you, you know, you're going to be able to kind of dictate you know some of those outcomes. But good for the good for the Falcons also because I'm like, you know, GMs so often like at least in the NBA when I was dealing with them, they want to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then sometimes you got to decide whether you want to, you know, be right in terms of like win the battle with said like opponent in a contract dispute or you want to win on the field. Uh, and if there's some give that you could, that, that some room to give in the contract, 
and it doesn't hurt the team, and then you can win on the field, then that's the right play, right? It's not yeah. always about getting the win personally against a guy who wants to hold out, and the franchise is like, no, we don't owe it to you. You know, there's got to be a middle ground for guys like Julio and, you know, quarterbacks, guys that make a difference. They move the needle, if you will, to right. use one of our, they move right. the needle for you. You got to figure out how to make that work. Right. Khalil Mack, Earl Thomas, other guys that are holding out. It was, and I think Aaron Donald gets done. Like, if you had me bet, I think Aaron Donald gets done before the season because you can't be paying Brandon Cooks and giving Todd Gurley new money. Right. All these other guys who aren't, they're, they're great players. But Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL on defensive side of the ball right now. You've got to take care so, of it. I would bet that it gets done. It's just a matter of getting it ironed out, the finer details. But they can't be paying everybody else and not pay Aaron Donald. How long until uh the quarterback's up there? What's that? Uh, Gar- Jared Gar- oh, he's how got a couple he's years. Yeah. All right. So you could rookie deal years. Yeah. So. so essentially, like you could pay all this money now to all these guys, yeah. and then when it's time to get Jared, because you're gonna have to re. You're going to have to pay him, too. Then you just restructure some of the ones to make sure that the money works. Exactly. Well, I hope they get it done, too. You know what looked awful? And maybe this had something to do with it. So the Falcons gave contract extensions to their head coach, Dan Quinn, and their general manager, Thomas Dimitrov. And they put out this really corny poster that looked like Dukes of Hazards. (laughs) Dukes of Hazards. And it was like, here's the guy. And it said, and it was from the Falcons official Twitter account. Like, it said, congratulations, new extension. And everybody was like, huh? Well, what about Julio? Right, right. You can pay them, but you can't. So, obviously, like, some of this stuff you can kind of see coming because, you know, you just kind of read the tea leaves. They can't be out there promoting they're giving everybody an extension and they're not taking care of Julio. Uh, but it looks like he'll also have a uh, a chance later on uh, to get some more money there. Uh, so the Falcons, I think, they're a team. They play in the toughest division in football, in my opinion, because you got the Carolina Panthers, yeah. the Bucks, and you got the Saints. The Bucks are kind of, they're you know, who knows, but the Saints are legitimate mm-hmm. Super Bowl contenders. The Panthers with Cam Newton are too. And I, so... I think this team is a legit Super Bowl contender, and that includes, you know, Philly, the, uh, the Vikings, like all these NFC teams. I'm a believer in Matt Ryan. He had a little bit of a setback last year, but now that they've got Julio locked up, they drafted Calvin Ridley. I think he can get back to his MVP type form that he had just a couple years when they had the Super Bowl collapse against the Patriots. Uh, they, my eyes say yes. The results have said yes lately. Like they, and I, if you push came to shove and you asked me i'd say yes i believe that they're in the teams the pool of teams that could potentially contend for a super bowl the problem is like when i look at all their numbers from last year like points per game they were like 15th right uh passing yards a game they were eighth that's pretty good uh rushing yards 13th uh the defensive number like they just look like a like they're a upper level like middle of the pack team right right so that puts you at the Kind of like the bottom level numerically of the teams that would be vying for the championship. And that worries me, right? So right. like you're still in the pool of teams that I would have to consider to potentially be able to win a Super Bowl. But do I really believe that you could win a Super Bowl? And I guess the answer to that for me would be no. So here's, here's what I'm banking on. And cause there absolutely was regression last year, but Kyle Shanahan goes, takes the head job at the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. In comes Steve Sarkeesian, you know, who's had an up and down college career. It's his, you know, he's, he has his issues off the field. Um, comes over, takes over the offensive coordinator position. It's their first year together. I think that's directly why you saw a fallback in the numbers. And it's, it was similar to when Kyle Shanahan was his first year as offensive coordinator of Matt Ryan. They didn't have the best year. Yeah, it's it, chemistry. It takes, like, it takes a while to get used to each other. Like, in, in, in the best systems I've played in, there's just an innate, like, natural sense or, hey, I know when my quarterback wants this call. Or right. I, I know his favorite plays. And you kind of get that feel for each other. And it takes time. So I'm banking on, hey, you got Calvin Ridley, who's another receiver to add to complement Julio Jones. Yeah. And most importantly, you're going to have a better feel between Steve Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan. Now that's... 
that's a pretty big bank. Like it's like who knows? I'm just going on what we saw in the past. Right. That the longer you're together, the more comfort you'll have. And I think Matt Ryan is a top six, top seven quarterback. So I'm banking that he gets back to that MVP form uh, that he gets there. So the Oakland Raiders report as well, except for Khalil Mack. We mentioned him with <laughs> their defensive superstars. John Gruden, like I, I for CBS Sports HQ, they said, hey, what are your most, what are you most interested? Storylines you're interested. I can't wait to see how Gruden does. Like he's been out of the game for 10 years. He's been in the broadcast booth, you know, Monday Night Football, and he's going back to an NFL, which I was out for two years when I was playing. I was out. I played five years. Then I went and played minor league baseball and arena football. I was out two years, came back, and there were completely different trends when I was out just two years. Yeah. I'm talking 10 years. That is a lifetime in the NFL. You're going to see new defensive schemes. You're going to see new offensive schemes that you're going to try to catch up with. And you know what else is a big part of this? You're going to see players with a new attitude. A generational a gap. generational you know. way from yeah. what you had before. And I can't wait to see how he does. I like how he says, if I can't get it done, I'm not going to take their money. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, that 100 mil. All right. Uh, how long do you get it to go? Yeah. Uh, what do you say? I'm trying to throw the game back to 1998. I'm not going to rely on modern technology. I'll certainly have some people that are professional that can help me from that regard. That I... Uh, but I still think doing things the old-fashioned way is a good way. I do agree with that. Yeah. Like, in spirit to a degree. Right. Like, yeah, you, we've become way too analytical and way too, like, obsessed with the numbers. Like, there's gotta be an eyeball test as well. And I think kinda that's what he's trying to get at. Like, look, dude, we're gonna do it the way football's always been played. But having said that, you cannot deny the fact that the game, to what you just said, like, things, like progress, right? There are trends now that, that are taking place for a reason because they, you know, they may take advantage of something that's happened defensively. And if you're not going to keep up with that, then you're going to be a dinosaur. You're going to be one of those old curmudgeon coaches. Like you see them in a lot of different leagues. I hope this isn't the case because right. I like John Gruden. Right. But if you were to stick to your guns and say, I'm doing it the old school way, this is how it gets done. That doesn't work. It never works. Like it, you might hang on for a while, like in the NBA when guys want to be like that. On your past street cred. Like you can hang in there because you probably got a good enough player in there that keeps your team viable. It keeps you in the playoffs. Um, and you can keep like missing the boat on, on what you need to be doing, but that player keeps you in the game and that organization is kind of tied to you. But as soon as that next generation of player comes in, right? As soon as that next generation of player comes in who's not with, with the stuff that you're talking about and the success isn't the same because now he's young and you can't rely on him, like they get rid of you because you must keep up. You see it in college basketball. You see it in college football. Like Nick Saban and those guys, all of those guys, right? They reinvent themselves every few years to keep up with not only the trends in the sport in terms of offensively and defensively, but being able to relate to this new generation of kid that is really, really wired differently than the ones that, 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 that we were, right. you know, a couple decades ago. So I I don't have that much concern about the X's and O's. Like even when he was a broadcaster, he was waking up at 4 a.m. to break down film, right. and he's been watching the NFL for 10 years very closely. Like he does a, more prep maybe than anybody in the business yeah. that calls games. Like he just he he took it that seriously. So I don't have that. I, I think that'll be a smooth transition. I am fascinated to see how he handles these players because you do like if he wants to throw the game back to 1998. Basically, what you're saying is I want to be the Bill Belichick of the NFL, like or the Nick Saban. But Belichick has Super Bowls behind him, so and he's got Brady on his side. So you get people that, or he has, right, <laughs> he right, has. right, right, right. So you get that, you get that instant street cred that you're talking about. Gruden will have some street cred because everybody recognizes him from from Monday Night Football. But how does it go if he wants to be an old school hard coach? And there's a very fine balance there. Like, do you come in and do you lay the hammer down hard from the get go? 
you try to have a true smooth transition and be like the nice guy that like, hey, I want to be liked first and then come not come in hard with the hammer later, like during training camp now, all these types of things, players today have more questions than they ever have before. Right. Like they want to know why. Like why are we going padded practice? Why are we hitting on Thursdays? Like and, and that for a coach from that's been out for ten years. Is going to be like, because I'm the coach, Because I it. say like, so. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, like what you say to your kids. Like, that, now, I, because I told you to, bro. Right. And it, you, like 10 years ago, everybody's falling in line. Yes, yeah. sir. We'll be there. Now players want to know. So I want to know what the reaction is to that. Uh, like coming into a situation, you have to be like coaching. You have to be genuine, right? You have to be your like true self every day. Yep. You can't be wavering on how you, you know, how, what your position is on, on this issue versus that. Like you have to be as transparent and as, yourself as you can be with guys now you can be a hard ass but he's got to know that that's who you are that that's not a front yep. when push comes to shove you're not gonna back off that stance right uh, and then you do have to develop relationships like you could be a hard ass and still have relationships with people right you know what i mean like you got to be a gen coming into a situation like that man you just and and like i'm not telling john gruden anything he doesn't know right. but just be you know you gotta be yourself you gotta those guys gotta see you for who you are and trust that like that's who you are all the time and you're in it with them the same way that, that they're in it with when you. you did like training camp in the nba you have to go live in a dorm do you have to uh there? sometimes yeah so when you went there how did you arrive um did you do anything flashy flashy no we like got we got in a brand a lot of times we got in a bus we got in a bus and we right? we drove like, up like even to the bus like you didn't wear some crazy outfit or anything what are you talking about bro a trend i'm gonna get to it because you got a sweats on like yeah, your exactly. picks that you got to go to camp and you get so, on the bus these are some of the players how they're showing up to training camp all right we've got cam newton's got a little creative way to come in with a little scooter that's cam newton that's cam newton scooter you ride that what is that history of run is there uh, Ty Montgomery shows up in a little, uh, slingshot. Yeah, that's not bad. So they're just but showing off their new whips. Not to be outdone. Antonio oh. Brown come and landed on the helicopter. The chopper. Yeah. So this is like becoming a thing. It's like, hey, look at me. I can outdo the next guy. Does he have his kids with him? That's I don't know what's cool. worse, the chopper or the tracksuit pants. <laughs> like, look at those things with the white socks, black shoes. Exactly. That's a terrible look. It's <laughs> a rough look for our boy AB right there. Uh, remember in baseball when it was getting to be a thing? Forget who it was with the Mets. It was right here in Port St. Lucie and had a different, like, $200,000 car every single day for, like, seven days straight. Where have I, I been? was wondering if those were his or he had to hook up with a dealership. Like, uh, some, like, yeah, probably. They just gave him a new whip. Know, those baseball players do have a lot of money behind them, too. Uh, so maybe we'll have to do Well, yeah, they do. Yeah. But who was it? I need to know. I think it might have been, uh, it might have been Cespedes. I'm not sure. It, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to the bottom of that. We'll I live next door to Brandon Albert. Uh-huh. Um, and my kids are just fascinated with the amount of vehicles, <laughs> like, and, and like duplicate vehicles. What's like, the most amount of vehicles you've ever owned at one time? Oh, uh, maybe really, five. Really? Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, I say me is three, but two cars and one motorcycle. Like I've never had more than two cars. So, I would love to, like, trust me, it would be cool. I keep like an old school, like, uh, like Oldsmobile in the garage and like an, and like one of the, and a Challenger. Yeah. So those always count. And then like my wife has a truck. I, right. I have a truck and then, right. Yeah. A little fast yeah, ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Man, but, but Brandon had like eight, like there'd be like eight cars over there at any given time. Three of them would be like Rolls Royce Phantoms. You're right. like, what? It's you know, the same car. You know who, the, the, who loves professional athletes more than anybody? It's the car dealer. Yeah, no doubt. Like, they were like, <laughs> as soon as they get drafted, hey, what's up? Let's go to Steakhouse. Like, we'll go out, take you to dinner or anything. And then they just rip you off over and over. <laughs> All right. How about you have to hear this? Because I teased the NBA uh, Twitter beef that was going on. So it started with Kevin Durant when he was a guest on CJ McCollum's uh, pull-up podcast. Okay. Have a listen to how it started. 
I mean, you know, you 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 know, you guys aren't going to championship, bro. We have the the team. <laughs> we have capabilities. Anything is possible. We can win a championship, bro. I mean, let's be honest, bro. We can win a championship. Anything is possible. I just need. To look. I need more. I mean, I like y'all. I like the two. I like y'all too. You're hard to stop. But, I mean, come on. Hey, last year, bro, we was right there. We was just slightly below one and two. But how'd you play? Some unfortunate situations happened in the first round. How'd you play? Some unfortunate circumstances. Like an eight seed. I'm going in. Like, are they, like, having, like, a steak dinner with some wine? Because it's starting to flow. Like, just KD is crushing him. KD is crushing him. He was like, like, I like the two little – I mean, I like y'all, but (laughs) – He straight up laughed in his face. All right. So that is not over. That is not all that transpired from that podcast. We're going to get to that in a minute. Plus, we're going to get a a reaction from Boogie's former teammate, Anthony Davis, on his move out to the world. We got to get CJ on, man. You can't get sunned on your own podcast. Exactly. Yeah, we got to figure that out. Make some calls. We're going to have that happen. Uh, More coming up next on Off the Bench. All right. Did you know you can get the best highlights and biggest sports stories right in your inbox every morning with the CBS Sports HQ newsletter? That's right. It is packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. Just go to cbssports.com backslash HQ daily to subscribe. All right. Let's do some read and react with our boy Raja. All right. Anthony Davis shocked by DeMarcus Cousins' move to the Warriors. Yesterday, the Pelican star was on writer's block on CBS Sports HQ, uh, and he discussed his reaction to Boogie's announcement. Um, of course, I was a little, I was a little shocked, but um, I, I know Demarcus, and you know he uh, made the best decision for, you know, for him and his career at that time, and um, for his family. Um, I understand it's a business, you know. Of course, I will definitely would love for that to keep going, um, but at that point, uh, I'm not sure what was going on with his situation. All right, so he's saying the right things. Yes. Do you think if Anthony Davis wanted to play another year or another contract with Boogie Cousins that this would have transpired like Boogie would have gone on? Um, I don't know. I, I think it says more about Boogie maybe not wanting. I don't know if Anthony Davis necessarily didn't want to play with Boogie. I think Boogie may have made that call. Do you know what I mean? Right. But like, don't, like, I don't feel like Anthony Davis was recruiting him hard. Like, hey, we yeah. have to do this. Maybe like Russell Westbrook does with Paul George. Right. For him, like to say we can do something special. I feel like yeah, maybe like, not he that. Was like, all right, you know, you can do your own thing. But look at the dude in the clip. Like he was like that clip was supposed to be him like being like shocked, and right. he was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I don't know that he does that for anybody. Like with the mobile one shirt on. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I think Boogie saw enough. Boogie's like, yeah, I'm good. Right. I'm out. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Uh, the Browns say. Uh, Hugh Jackson says Baker Mayfield's not ready to play yet. So his comment was, he's not ready to walk out there right now and play, and that's okay. We didn't bring him in here for that. We brought him in here because he's talented. We think he's the future of this organization. We're going to do everything we can to continue to develop him as we go through training camp and the preseason. When he's ready to play, he'll walk out there and play well. This is, like, totally expected. This is exactly what I would think a head coach would say about his rookie quarterback who's only been in there one off season, you know, a limited amount of practice reps. It's the same thing you would have said about Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, any of these quarterbacks kind of had breakout seasons in the history, but to Peyton Manning when he yeah. was starting. Quarterbacks just aren't ready. So this is the good, the luxury that the Browns have is they can play Tyrod Taylor, who's an established veteran, who, you know, took the Bills to the playoff last year, and they can work in Baker Mayfield when he's ready. The thing that I think could get interesting is Tyrod Taylor's not bad. Like, he's not going to throw a lot of interceptions. Right. He's going to be a good game manager, might even make some plays, and I think the Browns team is better than they've been. So, do you continue playing Tyrod the entire year? 
Do you sprinkle in Baker Mayfield? Like, I am very curious to see how this plays out. Right. I, and I, like, I almost think like you're almost in a position where you play Tyrod Taylor all year. If you're in the hunt for the playoffs, if you start to get out of the playoffs, then you play Baker. But it could be an instance like last year with Kansas City Chiefs where you saw Alex Smith take his team to the playoffs. They lose. And then they trade him away and they say, all right, we're going with the future. That could be, I, I think that could potentially play out with uh, Cleveland. That's interesting. All right, let's go from one quarterback to the next. The Colts say that Andrew Luck will play in the preseason opener. Uh, Luck hasn't played in the NFL game in 571 days. All right. What would you do if you had a quarterback who, has, as you mentioned, hadn't played in forever? Yeah. He's had a litany of injury issues that he's had to deal with. Would you play him in a preseason that doesn't matter at all. I probably, I probably wouldn't put him in a preseason game. I mean, if I did, it'd probably be like the last preseason game, like that that the starters playing, like that dress rehearsal game where they play like like one series and right. then we shut them down. I'd protect him all the way up through training camp. I'd monitor the shoulder or the neck or whatever it right. is, and I'd just be watching, making sure that that thing didn't swell up and reflare up. But no, the answer is no. I would not. I've play got. Him I so I used to be old school. Like, hey, everybody has to play him. If I have a franchise quarterback. I don't know if I'm letting him touch the field in the preseason. It doesn't bring any value. You hardly get hit. Right. I get you need to get your body. You know, we talked about, you know, weathering and kind of building up that Teflon, like kind of getting used to absorbing those hits. You can get those in the, you can learn that in the regular season. Like you can do it. I, like for me, you have the franchise is Andrew Luck. He's had so many injuries. Like I wouldn't play Tom Brady. I wouldn't play Drew. I wouldn't play any guy that I am confident of in a, as a starter. 571 days. I wouldn't risk it. Like yeah. why risk it? You can have some, some bozo that's trying to make the squad. Yeah. Backup linebacker who's like, I'm going to make my name and I'm going to get a sack on Andrew Luck. Maybe hits him a, a play late. Maybe it's a clean hit. Like you, I just, it's not worth it. Stuff happens. Games mean nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I don't know that I'd risk him in a in a preseason game. All right, Pac-12 commissioner defends their poor postseason. Pac-12 held his media day on Wednesday. Commissioner Larry Scott used his opening remarks to address the conference's developing reputation. The league went one and eight in bowls last year. Scott said, "Much was written and discussed about our bowl record last year. From our perspective, a handful of season-ending games are not a communi- a communicator of a conference's overall strength and competitiveness." Man, you got to get out of here with that talk. You got to win some bowl <laughs> games. Come on, Pac-12. I actually like the Pac-12. I think they do it right when you look at scheduling. They play nine conference games. They always play a tough uh, out-of-conference schedule. Uh, like you see USC playing Bama. Like always. They all, always yeah. go and play tough games. But you got to do better in the bowl season. I get it. He's got to defend his conference. It's Pac-12 media days. But the bottom line is your message should be we've got to do better. Like Because we've seen other conferences struggle in bowl games. And the message is always be, we have to get better. And don't even bring in that we're the best academics. No one cares about that. Sorry, it's just a reality. True that. So this is what he went on to say. He said that 9 of 12 teams made bowls, 2 teams made New Year's 6 bowls, and 4 teams finished in the top 25. Yeah. There's a different way of measuring success, he says. So All like, good stats. Just give me 500. I'm with like, you. Just go 500 in the bowls. Like I don't need you to go undefeated in the bowl season. Just get a few wins. Just win yeah, some of them. Exactly. All right. Let's keep it moving. Let's move to a segment we call Like It, Love It, or Hate It. So Khalil Tate admits that he knew the tweet that he sent out uh, would alter Arizona's coaching search. After Arizona moved on from Rich Rodriguez and were searching for a new head coach, star quarterback Khalil Tate tweeted, I didn't come to Arizona to run the triple option. Uh, this was as the Wildcats were pursuing Navy coach uh, Ken Niamatololo. Damn. Well known for using the triple option. Two days later, Arizona hired Kevin Sumlin. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the tweet from Tate was to elicit this response. He yes. didn't want the guy. He wanted to run some some different offense. I... 
like it. I don't love it, and I don't hate it. I like it. Here's where I think we have to be careful because players are having more power than we've ever had. We talked about it with John Gruden. Like in the NFL, guys are asking why. College kids are asking why. They're using, utilizing their voice because they have one. We never had social media. You know, now they can get out there and they can send a tweet. Right. And it can, the athletic director says, uh oh, do I have a problem? Brings him into his office and says, hey, what do you want to do? Gets involved in the coaching search. These are all good things. You gotta be careful. No. You're not buying. No. You're not listening at I'm, all. No, I'm pro. I'm with you that I'm pro. I'm pro course, player. Like yeah. I like players using their voices. These are kids, dude. Like I, if I'm the university, I don't want to hear any of that. I don't want to hear what you got to say about nothing. It's not your job. Your job is to go read them books. Right. And get your ass on that field. I don't want to hear nothing about no coaching search. That's not your place. And maybe, look, maybe this is me contradicting everything I've ever stood for <laughs> on this program, but that's the way I feel about college athletics. Right. If I ask you, if I ask you, like, hey, man, do you guys like this assistant? Like, we're thinking about hiring him. Forum for you to come in there and let us know how you feel. Don't be firing out tweets and meddling in my in my search for coaches and doing that kind of stuff, trying to you know trying to move the needle in a you community. Yeah, I don't like you that at it. all. Here's why. Here's why I think that everybody has to be careful because I think the initial reaction from everybody is this is great. This is great. Everybody loves it. Players getting a voice. We saw at Oregon. There, Willie Taggart goes to Florida State. They're doing a head coaching search. The players sign a petition, take it to the athletic director, and say, we want Mario Cristobal, our offensive line coach. Yeah. So the athletic director says, oh, okay, I'll do it. Like, No. What happens if Oregon goes 0-4? No. What happens if Arizona starts 0-4 and, and you know, Kevin Sumlin's the wrong coach? Is is Khalil taking to get fired? Is he going to lose his scholarship? You know, he's probably going to lose his job as the athletic director. That's, you're damn right. <laughs> you so, that president is going to come in and say, so let me get this straight. Right. You, you hired him because – 30 mofo signed a petition saying you wanted him to hire. Get, right. Pack your, get right. out. Right. And I actually like what you said because if a good athletic director would bring the guy in, say, hey, yeah. talk about it. You don't, but you don't want to play that out publicly on Twitter and let everybody know your business because it can really, uh, set up for something ugly. Hopefully Agreed. it happen. Agreed. Talking yeah. about everybody knowing your business. How you feel yeah. about this one? DeMar DeRozan's anger at the Raptors. Like it, love it, or hate it. DeRozan initially expressed emotions on Instagram and now he opened up to ESPN. Raptors president Masai Ujiri claimed there was a miscommunication. DeRozan said that wasn't really true. He said, I felt like I wasn't treated with what I sacrificed for nine years. Um, with the respect that I thought I deserved. I'm not saying you don't have to trade me or just let me know something is going on because I sacrificed everything. That's really weird. But basically what he's saying is like, you could have traded me, but don't tell me you're not going to trade right. me and then trade me. And that's a legit beef. I'd be ticked too if they told me that. Two weeks ago, like literally, they said, ah, you're good. Your future's here. We're stable. Like, you don't know. Like, maybe he's making a personal decision. Maybe, like, what if he had bought a house in the last That would have sucked. Sometimes that happened. That like, happened to me. Might, right. But they didn't tell me they weren't going to trade me. I just <laughs> bought a house and opened a business, and but then they traded it's me. not as bad as the story. We had a dude on our team on the Broncos, a tight end, and he was like a crossover basketball player. Yeah. And he was trying to be the next Antonio Gates. Good dude, but he finally makes the team, and he was a rookie first time, so he was feeling good about himself. Goes out and gets a new Cadillac, comes in, and on the back it says, I catch TDs. <sighs> And like gets cut in two weeks. Oh. Like spent like all of his like he probably got like ten grand to sign. Like barely made it. I'm like wondering that car probably got repoed, which is kind of sad. Oh. And like he never played in the NFL. He made it for two weeks in the NFL and then got cut. Um, Always be careful with that. You got to be careful. I'm going to tell you my story in a second. Demar Derozan's anger at the Raptors. Like, look, I get it. Every player, not every player, because some players want to move on. But when you're invested, like he clearly was in Toronto and the community and being a Raptor, yeah, he's like the only guy in Raptors history that said. I want to be a Raptor. Let me sign here. Like most of those guys, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, like those guys bounce, man. They want to get, they want to go on to something else. He was there. So being angry about being moved, I get it, especially if they told you you weren't. But at the end of the day, dude, like it's done. 
Let it go. Right. You're, you're in San Antonio, which is a fantastic organization. Um, one of the best coaches ever in NBA. You're, you're going to be okay. Like let, let that go. Cause now it's starting to look petty. Like the more you do interviews and you're whining and you're crying, it is a business. You make yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. Like you can be pissed and I'm cool with that, but the interview stuff, let that ride. Did you see who consoled him the next day? Who? Drake. Who else? Oh. The, Ra- the, the oh. Raptors ambassador. Cheeky. Do you love me? Do you need me? Yeah, All right. Special song. So, let me tell you my story. I went out. I got signed by San Antonio. Yeah. The, the difference was I got a full like guaranteed. So I was right. making the, the, yeah, the rookie the minimum. Difference in NBA right. and NFL. So I could afford the Lexus that I wound up buying. Yeah. Antonio Daniels took me out and took me like shopping one day and we went to like every dealership and like at the end of it, I think I bought the car that he wanted. Like, I don't think I really, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was just young and dumb. I had never had a car. I was like, oh, yeah, that Lexus looks nice. Right. So I bought the Lexus. I went out. Luckily, I hadn't signed the lease, but I had the paperwork for two places, and they cut me the day before the season started. No way. <laughs> so the Lexus, did he, the Lexus, he probably the, went and picked it up. Uh, yeah, no, I got it. I, I drove it home. I drove it back to Florida. Great. All right. So anyway, this is uh, this is our 100th episode. You talked yes. about it off the top. Yeah. I think Debo uh, has something special in store. So let's toss it to Debo for some special 100th episode. Yeah. Yeah, so back on November 20th, 2017, we launched this thing. We talked about bad quarterback play. We might have talked about Danny a little bit. We talked about Lonzo Ball not getting in a scuffle. We talked about Baker Mayfield not grabbing his junk. But this is how Danny started our debut episode. What's up? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. This is our very first episode ever. We've done some preview episodes. We've been rehearsing for what feels like two months. Yes. I think it has been around yeah, there. Uh, two months. But I want to know for you, because I'm pumped up to do this. I had a little nerves last night, like kind of like pregame jitters. What? You, how does this compare to like an NBA Finals type vibe for you? Did you sleep okay last night? Uh, I slept like a baby last <laughs> night. Still sleeping like a baby, Raja? <laughs> yeah, I sleep like a baby, just a lot less. Like, like the hours are less now. <laughs> right, right. He didn't exactly have the pregame jitters that yeah. I did, which is a good thing. No, I'm nervous, I was look, able I'm, to compile a, a best of off the bench through 100 episodes, and I put best of in heavy quotation marks. Bumbling, bumbling. Here we go. I have to take the pressure off of Danny Cannell. Damn. Check us out. Give us a shout. Check us out. Uh, uh, we can cut that out, right? Like, seriously, what the f*** are you talking about? All right, thanks. Uh, hey, you get uh. stuck. <laughs> you seen him? You can't win. Even Danny Cannell. <laughs> Stop messing with me, man. All right, thanks, thanks for checking us out. This has been a... Uh, <laughs> Keep calm. Ain't got nothing on me. Boy, bye, bye, bye. Extremely rare. That doesn't happen often. We're up early. I got to start doing like vocal exercises before we come in here. (laughs) Like get to get the, you know, the vocal cords going. But that was all like creative. I could not think of a good line. And sometimes I think we want the perfect tease or the perfect out. And it just, it never happens. So just let it go. I've told you this before. I got a new respect for you, like the driving of the show. Cause now that I do these B blocks, like transitioning is an issue. Like keeping train of thought when you have to stay on this rundown is an issue. It's really hard. It's not that easy. It is. It's really difficult. Anyway, so we're going to break, but after the break, we're getting to talk to Danny's new favorite coach of his new favorite football Willie team. Willie Taggart's coming on? Willie Ta- no, no, dude. Josh oh. Heupel. Oh, UCF. that's right. We'll that's Josh right. Heupel that's on after the show. He shares his thoughts on uh, replacing Scott Frost, beating the Seminoles in the 2001 Orange Bowl, and the college football playoff. That's next on Off the Bench with Cannell and Bell. 
All right, it's our pleasure to welcome the brand new head coach of the UCF Knights, Josh Heupel. He is at a, uh, the uh, American Athletic Conference Media Days up in Newport, Rhode Island. They open up their season August 30th against UConn. Now, Josh, I got to go back and take you back a little bit because I was at the national championship game when you guys, you were at Oklahoma, you beat Florida State uh, 13-2. to It wasn't exactly offensive fireworks throughout that game. But uh, do you, how vivid are those memories for you as we get further and further removed from this this national championship? Uh, the further you're removed, you get the uh, the less you remember the bad plays, and you become a better <laughs> football player. So uh, uh, no, it uh, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, I had a great time uh, there with uh, with the players and and, uh, and staff there, just enjoying my time and and uh, played in a lot of big games. So it was a lot of fun. So this isn't necessarily a question, Josh, but I got to throw you in. Like Danny might have been the most vocal UCF supporter last year, like championing the cause for the Knights. Um, at this point, can we can we get him like to be an honorary knight or something like that? Like I don't know if you got that kind of pull yet, but can we get him on the on the team? Well, I hope I have that kind of pull, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll we need to get him uh, get him a game ball or something like that. Actually, I think he got a game ball, maybe. So, <laughs> We'll have to, uh, we'll have to get him on. Right? Yeah. Danny White, your guys athletic director sent me a bunch of gear. I got all kind of UCF national champ gear. So Scott Frost was at Big Ten Media Day, the former coach last year who you're taking over for. He was talking about an 18 playoff. I think it is the most obvious, most common sense thing for college football to go to an 18 playoff with the, the way that he suggested five power five champs, three wild cards. You have to be on board with that, right? Especially now that you're UCF, correct? Yeah, I would probably go with six, uh, power six, uh, format where you got six teams in there. But, uh, 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 in all seriousness, I, I think that, uh, when, when this format first came out and it went to four teams, I think everybody thought it was probably just a matter of time before it, it continued to expand. Uh, certainly you look at the season that we had last year, we were deserving of having an opportunity to, to go and play for it. Uh, so I, when I played, like sometimes I struggled as a player with with the change in the coaching regime, right? And you, there was obviously a lot of success there at UCF last year. So you come in, you meet the team, you, you know, you talk to the guys as a group. But after that, like, how do you go about selling yourself and building those relationships with with the players that are on the team and experience that success last year? Well, you hit the nail on the head. The first thing you do is got to build real relationships with your players, which means you got to spend a lot of time with them. You know, we ate breakfast and lunch with them. We were in the weight room with them. Uh, we did a lot of team building activities, had them over to our houses. Uh, you have to spend time, get to know who these kids are, know their backgrounds. You weren't a part of the recruiting process, so you never sat in their, their living room, got a chance to know their mom and dad or, or the people that are important to them. So you have to do that during the months of January, February, March, leading into spring ball. And then I think um, you got to give the players some ownership. Uh, you know, this is year one for us as a program as far as coaches and players being together. Uh, it obviously can't be year one when we step on the field against, against UConn week one. Uh, so you got to give them some ownership and, and give them uh, the ability to, to voice some things that, uh, that they feel are really important that, that help them be successful. And then you have to sell the why. Why are, uh, why are we doing things that are, that are different and how is this going to empower and, and better our football team and, and better them as individuals? So the bar has been set, obviously, pretty high. And a lot of times when you get a new coaching gig, you go to a program that's falling apart. A coach gets fired. You're in the exact opposite situation where the former coach goes on, takes a better gig, and you're taking over a program that now has this expectation of, hey, we just ran the table. We should be right back there. How are you handling those expectations that are on you in just your first year at UCF? 
Uh, no different than than other places that I've been, where you're expected to win every ball game every single year. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, our fans' expectations aren't going to be any higher than mine or any of our coaches inside of our, our facility, and we're working to get there every single day. Uh, at the same time, I, I believe that uh, you know we preach this to our players, but as coaches, you got to live by it too. You got to. Uh, avoid the outside noise and stay true to, to what you feel is, is important inside of your building as far as how you're going to build your program and, and continue to come into work every single day, uh, bust your butt, work hard, and, uh, and then start it all over the next day. So you referenced that, you know, selling kids on some things may change and why they have to do it. So talk to me, like, how, how are you guys going to look different on the field this season from the product that was out there last year? Well, I, I, you know, philosophically, I think there's some carryover to, to what we're doing offensively. We want to play uh, up-tempo. Uh, we want to put our, our skill players in space. Uh, you look at what we did uh, at Missouri the last couple of years, I think our running style is, is probably a little bit different than, than uh, what these guys uh, were doing a year ago, a little bit more north and south versus east and west. Uh, we play with a little bit wider splits uh, to continue to put pressure on some of the, the conflict players and uh, are going to push the football down the field defensively. Uh, we'll be aggressive up front. We're going to attack and, and try to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. We want to create negative plays, and that's going to allow us to go and create turnovers. So I love your guys' quarterback, Mackenzie Milton. I got to cover one of your games last year when you guys went up to Maryland to beat them. And when I read he was from Hawaii, I was kind of picturing something different, like a really laid-back, chill guy, but he's really competitive on the field. I think when you watch him play, he almost looks like a baby Baker Mayfield who won the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma last year. Uh, what do you think? What What is the ceiling for Mackenzie Milton this year? Excuse me. What is the ceiling? Yeah, like how how much better can he get? Well, uh, he can get better. He has gotten better. He is a dynamic, special player. Uh, I worked with two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, and you know Drew at Missouri's projected top five pick. This guy's every bit as special as those guys are. He's dynamic when things break down. Uh, he has the ability to extend and make plays. You saw what he was able to do with his feet against Auburn. Uh, he's the most accurate guy I've been around as far as uh, being outside of the pocket and, and making plays. But he's continuing to progress. Uh, first thing we wanted to, to, to continue to develop is just the leadership role inside of our building. He's taking more, more ownership of that. Part of that's just his, his comfortability in, in who he is as a person and, and how he played last year. Uh, he feels that probably gives him an opportunity to speak a little bit louder. And, uh, and then continuing to develop inside of the pocket, just fundamentally uh, moving in the pocket and then getting his eyes in the right spot. So in 2000, leading up to the national championship game, you were quoted as saying that you have a strong fear of failure. Is that still something that that that, that motivates you in your coaching career? Yeah, I, and when I say that, it's not like I'm, I'm you know living every day by you know worried about not not being successful. It's just that I want to be. I'm going to drive myself every single day to go be successful. And right. uh, um, you know, you look at, at uh, you know, what this program's done, and Scott Frost did an absolutely fantastic job, but this place has been successful for a long time, too, and, and besides the one, uh, one year, you know, five 10-win seasons in the last 10 years, three conference championships in the last five, two New Year's Six Bowl wins in the last five, it's going to put you in the top 15 in America in every category, and done it under multiple staffs. This is a special place, special university that's got a high upward trend, uh, both academically and what's happening athletically, especially on the football field. And, and so it's my responsibility to go continue that climb. And it's been a lot of fun uh, for our players and staff to continue to push our program to be better every single day. 
So Mike Leach has one of the best personalities, the like nuttiest personalities in all of college football. You know, he's head coach at Washington State now. He recruited you to Oklahoma. Like, do you have a Mike Leach story, like kind of about just how wacky he is? So I got like thirty Mike Leach stories. <laughs> What's, your What's your he, best one? What's your best one? Wacky he is. Wacky <laughs> he is. I, I owe Mike, you know, really everything. I mean, that, that's a guy that recruited me out of junior college and, and gave me an opportunity and. It really introduced me to the style of football that uh, that I want to be involved in, and and uh, um, but I mean Mike, uh, Mike Mike's a special guy, and uh, you know a unique personality, and and uh, so Thursday night we would be game planning, uh, or not game planning, but kind of putting your starters together, uh, and he would include me in that process. Well, on Thursday nights at that time on ETV, you guys might remember this, uh, Howard Stern would have a show, yeah, right. and so we'd be up in his office he'd click on the tv inevitably and uh the next our first 45 minutes of of us game planning were probably centered around uh howard stern and, and who he had on the show that night and, and my thoughts so uh it's uh it was a unique a unique way to game plan for sure i love it that's fantastic i think he's refreshing because so many football coaches only can talk football and he can talk anything pirates like history <laughs> like seriously he wrote a yeah. book on pirates uh let's finish it off with some superlatives we'll do these rapid fire and we'll get you out of here so it is media days what's the most frequent question you're asked or most annoying question you're asked and hopefully we didn't ask it <laughs> i i think the, the question that i always get is, is uh you know how are you gonna live up to the expectations of of what happened last year all right, sorry about that. that <laughs> All, right. Yeah. All right. All right. Best left-handed quarterback it's not, it's ever. Not annoying. It's not annoying, but uh, yeah. it's definitely the one I get. <laughs> Best left-handed quarterback ever not named Steve Young. <laughs> uh, the snake, Kenny Stabler. There you go. All right, so Switzer once called you the best average quarterback you ever saw. Who is the – who is not naming yourself, who is the best, quote, average quarterback you ever saw? Wow. Jeez, uh, it's a tough one. It's, it's a tough one. We put you on the I spot mean, right there. Yeah, that's, that's it's a compliment, really, that's though. Really it's kind of like that's old school calling you a game manager is basically what he said. Man. Like that's what that's what he's basically yeah. calling you. Yeah, I'll go with Chucky Keaton from uh, Utah State. Ooh, that's right. a good one. Nice. All right, uh, most famous person to attend Weber State. Um, wow. Let's say Jamie Martin, long-time Jamie... quarterback, NFL. Oh, Boom. There he there, yeah, he's nice. good. He's good. Hey, Josh, thanks for taking some time out with us. I know you're busy. I know you're slammed. Best of luck this uh, season with UCF. Thanks, Coach. All right. Appreciate it. Time now for your refresh. Julio Jones will report to training camp on Thursday. Falcons GM Thomas Dimitrov made the announcement late Wednesday night. According to an NFL Network report, Julio Jones and the Falcons have agreed on a revised contract. His base salary this season is $10.5 million. The Falcons' first practice is on Friday. <clears throat> Andrew Luck hasn't played in an NFL game since January 2017, but it looks like you won't have to be in limbo much longer. According to reports, Frank Reich says he plans on playing Luck in the Colts' first preseason game in Seattle. And in Cleveland, Hugh Jackson says that Bigger Mayfield isn't ready to play just yet. Jackson said, quote, when he's ready to play, he'll walk out there and play well. Until then, Tyra Taylor is the starter. And turns out Pelican star Anthony Davis had the same reaction as most NBA fans when DeMarcus Cousins signed with the Warriors. During an interview with our very own Bill Ryder during Ryder's Block on CBS Sports HQ, AD confessed that he was, quote, a little shocked to see the news of Cousins' departure. 
And DeMar DeRozan puts the Raptors on blast for blindsiding him by trading him to the Spurs. In his first interview since being traded, DeRozan said that he was misled by the team, although the team calls it a, quote, miscommunication. That was your refresh. All right, guys, it's now time for Socially Relevant, where I break down everything that's happening around the world in social media. And I only have one story for you guys today because it's just that dramatic. All right, so when you're an NBA star, this is the perfect time to go on vacation, take some time off, especially some time away from social media. But not for Kevin Durant. So KD joined CJ McCollum's podcast and the conversation got a little bit heated at one point when McCollum mentioned how he wasn't on board with the Warriors signing Boogie Cousins. But if you listen to the podcast, they're kind of laughing about it, but they're still definitely throwing some shade at each other. So afterwards, it turned out that this conversation kept going after the podcast. Big Cat tweeted at McCollum saying, hey, CJ, permission to start using the B word again for KD? So CJ responded to that one by saying, quote, I still think the B word is harsh and shouldn't be used. He knows that decision was soft, but I respect it. It's like getting jumped with your brothers by a gang you should have beat, then going to your gang that jumped you and your brothers two months later and forgetting about your bros. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay. It's still going. So it's still going. So it's, it's safe to say that Katie didn't love that. He clapped back by saying, quote, so I would get into a gang fight, lose, plot on my brother for two months, two months in our home, and then go get the gang we lost to and beat him up. You think that low of me, CJ? I just did your bleep podcast, <laughs> Snakes in the Grass, boy. I tell ya. So, all right, Danny, Raja, is this real? Um, I, like it's it sounds like they're friends to some degree, yeah. but it's getting right. maybe a little like. You know how you play fight with, like, your brother a little bit, and then eventually it turns into, like, a real fight? This reminds (laughs) me of, like, the ultimate, like, locker room beef. Yeah. Like, where guys are just ripping each other, and you try to get that last one. But there always is some point where it can cross the line, and then it's not so funny anymore. Like, on the podcast, I'm like, everybody was laughing, having fun. But he got personal, and it might hurt a little bit later. And then after CJ's thinking about it, saying, I can't believe he said that. He laughed in my face, and then they're going back at it. I think that's probably what's happening. You know what I never was, like, in any – I was never a play-play ass dude. Like, I didn't like to play-play because I – like. I'm not like the verbal, the most verbally gifted in those heated situations. Once I get going, right, it is going to turn into a fight. So I don't, if we don't play play, then we ain't got to worry about <laughs> right. fighting in a minute. You Anna, know what, I mean? what are you doing with your girls on your text chains? Are you guys ripping each other? Is it? All, is there any of this play play going on? Absolutely not. Never. I would avoid this at all costs. I think that I think that Katie just proved CJ McCollum's point. Honestly. All right, guys. Well, that's all for socially relevant. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Canel and Bell. Danny, what you got coming up next? All right. Well, the Pac-12 media days. We talked about that. There was one of their most popular players. He wasn't there, but I think he has a pretty good excuse. And the Lakers. Are they going to be more showtime than we think? That and more coming up next and off the bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Uh, topics, Debo. So what? We had some no shows at Pac-12 media day. What's up with that? Yeah, it seemed like a big-time Stanford move. Heisman Trophy frontrunner Bryce Love puts school ahead of football. Imagine that. Now, Love is a human biology major. He wants to go to medical school after his presumable career in the NFL, but he decided to skip Pac-12 Media Day. Skip isn't a fair word because he had to attend summer classes that he had already used his uh, excused absences for. So he skips that, but he does show up on Skype. Can you still pick him for the Heisman Trophy? <laughs> I love it that he skipped media days. I actually do. They're kind of like where they wear you out. And you have to answer the same questions right. over and over. Like if you've been once, which I'm pretty sure he went last year, 
you've done it. You've been there, done that. Like, it's just more of a hassle and it wears your energy. So you say you don't want to go. He didn't want to go to media day. No, I think he really is a Stanford dude. Like, he's pre-med. Like, he's a really good student. So, your human biology teacher, like, you've used your excuse absence, but you've got media day for one of the top 20 teams in the program and you don't get another excused absence at Stanford? (laughs) That's how that works? Probably. Calling BS on that, bro. So quick on our final topic, Models of Times Square seems to be the woge of NBA jersey leaks. So this store, the league contacted them asking them to take these Lakers jerseys down. Too late. The internet already captured them. The internet yeah. won. These potentially new slash old Lakers jerseys that would showcase the drop shadow on the numbers for the first time in a couple decades and going full circle to Showtime and Magic Johnson, the guy that brought in LeBron James to Los Angeles. I think I like they're them. hot. Yeah, I like the old school look. I think they're classic. I like yeah. them. And why? What do you mean, jersey leak? Like, <laughs> come on, man. The jersey's coming out. Like, no, they it? probably don't want anybody to see them. They're trying to have like this grand release to come out of a jersey that someone wore twenty years ago. There's a grand release of number twenty three. That's fantastic. Models. They had the best commercial when I was on the Giants. Gotta go to Mo's. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. All right, I'm off tomorrow. You're you're driving. So oh my god. Sleep tonight. Yeah. You're in with David Sampson tomorrow. Uh, as always, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canell and Bell.